You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you're listening to the Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here, if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206 201 2720. And you download this podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. It's a beautiful fucking summer day here in Seattle, Washington, home of Savage Labs, Savage Industries, and Savage Love World Headquarters. Uh, and I have a miserable head cold, so I may be ruder and more impatient uh, and more obnoxious than usual. And if I am, and if I do or say anything stupid or rude or offensive, uh, I blame Theraflu. Hey, Dan. I have a question about um, non-sex. I'm not big into sex, I have to say. I, I'm a gay man. And um, I tried to come out since I was 17, but people just refused to believe that I was gay. But I eventually convinced them, not by having sex in front of them like I thought I was going to have to. And uh, I just, I'm not really into sex. I'm, like, sexually attracted to guys. i not at all into women. But when it comes to having sex, I don't know if it's just that I get really uncomfortable or I get really bored, but... Um, it seems, especially gay men are just like, sex is the end of the world and everything we must be and the, you know, the thing we must all attain at all costs at any time with everyone we can. And I, um, and kind of the opposite. So, and I'm also just in the dating. It just feels like I am the strangest person in the entire universe for, for being like sex. Eh. Uh, hey, it's Dan, and everybody and I just listened to your the message you recorded for me. Um, and you have to forgive me, I'm totally out of it. I have a really bad cold. Okay. And, uh, it's so bad, they put me on Vicodin and Theraflu. Lucky you. Uh, I know, it's really terrific. Um, it's better than sex, in fact, I would say. Uh, so listening to your question, your call, you know, I have one initial reaction, which is, you know, you perceive rightly that, uh, you know, a lot of what, passes for gay culture out there places way too much emphasis on sex. Uh, and, and you know the, you know the, why that is is because sex is what makes us not straight people. It's not like sex right. is a tangent. Is a tangent. It has no relationship to this whole gay thing. We just continue bringing up sex all the time as if it mattered to the gayness. Like gayness is all about sex because sex is what makes us different, sets us apart, and screws up our lives or makes them wonderful. Right. Right. So what you're perceiving to be this overemphasis, uh, you have to weigh that. Uh, you know. There's an appropriate emphasis, and then there's, like, too much emphasis. But there's going to be a, a great deal of emphasis on the sex issue for gays, because gay is a sex issue. Right? Right. But sex is also, like, a variety of things, and it seems like not only is it the emphasis, but it's like, this is, this is what gay sex is. Okay, well, then there's the whole other issue, and my second reaction to your call was, you know, if you're you know, defining yourself a bit in opposition to you know, what you perceive as these dominant themes in gay culture and this overemphasis on sex. And I wanted to ask you, and you never got around to saying, when you have sex, do you enjoy it or not? Does it leave you cold or are you digging it when you have it? It's, I'm digging it for about, I don't know. It, it's, so, it's so rarely that I do it, but it seems like 20 minutes. I'm there for 20 minutes, and then I'm sort of like... Mm, yeah. So rarely, how rare is rare? We'll say, um, like once... I mean, with different partners, like once every three months or once every six months. 
with different partners, but how often with yeah. similar partners or concur, you know reoccurring partners? It's the same regular rare. guest stars. Pardon? <laughs> well, it, you know, I don't usually have regular partners, but it can it, it, it skews the statistics if I'm if I'm with someone. Okay, well, you know, you, you could just be a gay dude with a low sex drive, and they exist. It doesn't make you not gay. It doesn't mean that you're having some sort of subconscious reaction to the overemphasis on sex and gay culture. It just means that you're, like, not that, you know, you don't have a high libido. And a oh, what's a low sex drive? I mean, I was reading, like, low testosterone, and some people have abnormally low testosterone and it needs to get checked out. And, well, you can have your testosterone levels checked, but sometimes you just have to accept that, you know, you can't look outside and say, you know, everyone else is having... X amount of sex, and I'm having Y amount of sex. Something wrong with me? Because a lot of the people out there claiming to have X amount of sex or tons of sex aren't having as much as they like to boast that they're having. Uh, so you may not be that abnormal, but you could just have a low libido. You can also. How old are you? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. By now, you should have slept around enough and experimented enough to find the things that really turn your crank, right? Yeah. And if you haven't found them and it sounds like you've experimented a bit with S&M and other things, then maybe you just have a little beto and you need to reconcile yourself to it. Do you beat off? Yeah. How often? Uh, daily. Okay, well, what goes through your head when you beat off daily, Mr. Low you know, Star? it's funny. It's like, Mr. I Everyone know. else is obsessed with sex. Excuse me, I have to go rub one out. I'll be right back. We'll continue this conversation about how second. sexually obsessed everyone else anymore. is. <laughs> um, it, it just... It just it's different things. I mean, I think that's part of the problem too, because I, because masturbation is sex. So, um, it just it flashes of different things because I can go from partner to partner and and situation to situation. So you flip and through a Rolodex while you're beating off of images. I do sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Sometimes I stick with one. Um, uh, and I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that metaphor from Mark Merlis and his wonderful book, American Studies, that everyone should read. Um, but go ahead. So, but you beat off every goddamn fucking day about something. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times it's watching because I, I don't feel like I'm ever really part of it when I'm doing that. It's have you explored vo- have you explored voyeurism? Um, sometimes in three ways. Yeah, I've. I've it, it, but again, then I always think, hey, I think I'm going to beat off to this later. For some reason, I'm just not there at the time. You're not there in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would just, you know, I would order you to keep being sexually active. Obviously, you have an interest in sex. Um, if you're beating off daily, your body demands it. There's something that is distancing you from it in the moment that clearly is an emotional thing or emotional social or social sexual thing where you're not feeling in the moment with the people that you're with. And so maybe you need to look at who you're sleeping with and why and when and how if you're going to regard it as a problem. You know, maybe 20 minutes and every three months is all you need with another human being. And if at 34, pardon? Do people do that in relationships? Sure. People who also only need 20 minutes every three months can have a relationship with someone who only needs 20 minutes every three months. You don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who wants it, you know, three times a week. You only give it to him every three months, and he knows you're masturbating every day because that's just going to shred that other person's self-esteem. Yeah. Somebody with a low or intermittent sex drive needs to be with someone else with a low and intermittent sex drive or alone. Right. Are you unhappy? Does your life suck? Do you cry about this every night? Well, it just it, it gets to be frustrating, especially with dating, because um, I know part of it's emotional. So I usually try to tell the guy up front, I I, I want to move slowly, and or 
right, this is this is for me. This is what we're gonna do um, sexually. Like I'm, I, I know that people hate menus, but I'm like, this is sort of the menu that's available right now. And What's I'm the willing. Menu? What's the menu? The menu is um, mutual masturbation. You know, making out, rolling around, and and oral. Mm-hmm. That's. That's as, as much as I feel comfortable with, especially with people I don't know that well. That's and totally usually that's, uh, that's not the reaction I get. <laughs> well, where do you live? Uh, L.A. Oh, yeah. Well, guys in L.A. are butt sex crazy. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So it's it just sort of, it, it gets frustrating because I feel like I never get a chance to actually know someone before they before they want to do the thing that I'm most uncomfortable with. And where are you meeting these guys that you're dating and feeling distanced from because of your limited menu? Um, the bars. Okay. The gym. Right. Those it's are the, those are places that uh, sluts and people who go zero to sixty in under two point three seconds uh, look for people. <laughs> you need to start looking for guys who are uh, also interested in going slow, and those guys aren't rolling on E or drunk off their butts in a nightclub in L.A. Yeah. I don't know where that is, though. Where is that? Uh, that's through friends. That's people you meet through work. Uh, according to Ann Landers, it's church groups and book clubs uh-huh. and gardening clubs. But you need to expand your uh, the places you're hunting. If you're not bagging the game that you want or game you're happy with and the places you're hunting, go hunt somewhere else. Okay. All right. Good luck. And with different clothes. And with different clothes. Good luck. Hi, Dan. Love your show. Um, I got a bit of a relationship problem. Uh, Here's the deal. I'm a 30-year-old bisexual male, and I recently got back in contact with an ex-boyfriend that I had about 15 years ago. You know, I just want to be friends with this guy, but uh, he keeps calling me up and... uh, being really scary soccer guy, <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. You know, I've I've uh, I've told him not to call, and I've told him uh, that uh, you know he was creeping me out, but he uh, insists on calling me like three, four times a day. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of at the end of my wits. Uh, he he still calls. How do I get rid of this guy? I'm going to assume that the uh, stalker guy doesn't know where you live or have access to where you live, that he isn't dropping by, because uh, <clears throat> I don't have to advise you to get a gun. Uh, here's how you get rid of the stalker guy who calls three or four times a day. Uh, you put up with it for a while. You endure it. You do not answer the phone when he calls. Get caller ID or get a cell phone. I hope you have a cell phone. I hope you know when he's calling and it's him. Just don't respond at all. It can seem... Uh, when the stalker phone caller nut job uh, is really tearing it up, that it's never going to stop. Uh, but it will stop if he gets nothing from you. Uh, you know, negative attention is attention. Uh, you calling him back and begging him not to call you anymore. You screaming and yelling at him about how inappropriate it is for him to call you after you've asked him to not call is the kind of attention uh, that he'll settle for if he can't get, uh, you know, loving, positive attention from you. So the best uh, way to get rid of this guy is just total radio silence. He calls you. He doesn't get you. You don't take his calls. You don't return his calls out of frustration or out of misplaced consideration for how he may be feeling. Nothing. Total fucking silence. That'll make him go away. Hey there. My name is Gina. And uh, my question is, all right, I'm in my late 20s. Pretty gay. Like, (laughs) I've been with women 
uh, in serious relationships for the past uh, 10 years of my life. Been with some men, but it never worked out. But now, like, I'm feeling like I want to have sex with a guy and not really a relationship. And I'm so my question is, how do I find a guy who's going to be sensitive and not just use me for sex and not have the whole lesbian fantasy? Like, how do I find some new age sensitive guy who's who would be into sex with a lesbian? Huh. How do you find a guy who's interested in no strings attached sex with a lesbian, a guy that's not going to, you know, use you while you're using him? Hello? Hello, lesbian? I'm sorry. Uh, You got to give a little to get a little. If you want NSA, no string attached sort of like guy as sex toy sex with some dude who's gonna let you use him as an object you might have to give a little in return you might have to allow yourself to be used as a fantasy object in return uh you might have to condescend to actually fuck a guy who has a thing for lesbians uh and that's part of the turn on for him is that you're a quote-unquote lesbian fucking uh a dude um a guy who's into lesbians, who has like a fetishy thing, who's a total horn dog about it, he can still be sensitive and considerate. You don't have to sleep with some screaming jerk, but you shouldn't look at every guy out there who's aroused by the idea, uh, you know, the scenario of sleeping with a lesbian and just round him up to jerk and assume if that's his fantasy, he must be a jerk. That's just not true. And those are the guys you'll have the best luck with. Guys who have a fantasy. Uh, that involves sleeping with a lesbian are the likeliest to be interested in gee, no strings attached sex with a lesbian. What you're doing is ruling out from the start, from the get-go, all the guys that might want to fuck you because they're the kind of guys that want to fuck you and you don't want to fuck the kind of guys that want to fuck you. You want to fuck the kind of guys that don't want to fuck you. Which is either a way of avoiding having sex with guys or, as many straight women do, you have this idea about the way men should be uh, if they're going to be allowed to sleep with you. That's in total conflict with the way men actually are. If you're going to fuck guys, you're going to have to fuck a guy. Uh, and you're going to have to take what comes, the good and the bad. The good of a guy, God will fuck the shit out of you. There's a lot of guys out there who fuck the shit out of a lesbian. Fucking, you know, right after two girls at once. It's like a lot of guys' number one fantasy. Uh, but you will have to... Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've totally lost my place. It's a Theraflu. Uh, get serious, sister. Um, where's my fucking Vicodin? Man, sometimes the mouth runs faster than the brain, and the mouth gets out in front, and the brain totally gets left in the fucking dust. All right, let's go to our next call. Hi, Dan. My name is Richard. I'm a 21-year-old male living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, it's about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm driving home from a local cruising spot. I just find that, you know, I'm 21, I'm Latino. Uh, my sex drive has kind of went through the roof the minute I was able to go to bars. And I kind of, you know, have a sordid sexual past in regards to molestation and, you know, awkward sexual situations at a young age. And I think that kind of resulted in me becoming a little uh, reliant on sex as uh, not only a crutch, but also a coping mechanism. And you know, I'm at a I'm at an age now in my life where I'd like to be in a relationship, but it just seems that the more and more I indulge in anonymous sexual acts, which I'm fully aware 
uh, is putting me at risk to contract some sort of, you know, disease that will make my dick fall off or something. But, um, you know, uh, the more and more I engage in them, the less and less connected sex becomes with romance. And, you know, I'm not really dating anybody right now, and I don't really have a lot going on in that department and, but you know, when it's late at night and I get lonely and I know of all these like little cruising spots where I can go and pay five bucks to get a blow job or like whatever, you know, not necessarily from a prostitute, but like back room action or like, you know what I'm saying? Um, I find it to be kind of convenient and I don't want to be a sex addict and I don't want to contract HIV and you know, there's, multiple possibilities of what can happen to me to continue acting out this way. And I don't really necessarily have a question per se, but some advice would be nice. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I just listened to your call and so did everyone out there in podcast land. Uh, I feel so naked. (laughs) Well, I hope you're clothed because uh, it would be totally inappropriate for you to be naked at this moment with me. I'm a married man, sort of. Uh, You know, uh, it's a great thing to be 21 years old and horny and single. Uh, Right. Don't waste it on creeps in anonymous cruising zones. Uh, Although I'm going to contradict myself all over the place. Uh, You haven't heard the rest of the podcast yet, but I've got a terrible cold, and I'm all on Theraflu and Vicodin and Percocet here and Jack Daniels. Um, But I I, I just want to back way the fuck up and ask you you this. Uh, Are are you always serviced? Are you always getting the blowjobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never do. I never do anything that would. I mean, ob- obvious, obviously. Ooh, I'm so nervous, Dan. Kind of don't don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, like, I'm always the one that's on the receiving end. Because, because you worry about sexual safety. Right. Because. Well, to an extent. I mean, like, obviously, letting cracked out, you know, tweaked up, crazy looking queen suck my dick isn't necessarily the safest thing in the world, but it's but, better than sucking them off. But that's what you're doing. You're letting cracked out. Tweaking, looking. Well, I mean, not always. Sometimes, I mean, occasionally you get a, you know, a hot guy that rolls up in a place like that. I feel like such a creep talking about it like that. That's the whole thing. Well, like, no, no. Totally got, totally well it's got creepy. There's no way to talk about it without it being creepy. Yeah. Um, I didn't want you to be Senator Larry Craig one day, so we're going to have a little intervention here. Um, it always kind of blows my mind. And, 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 you know, there's things that I've done sexually that my friends who like cruising areas or cruising bathrooms... Uh, or bathhouses or sex clubs, look at, you know, my sex life, the details of which I, uh, I'm under, uh, you know, I'm not allowed to disclose according to my marital vows. Um, they look at the details of my sex life and they go, oh, my God. Uh, and I look at, you know, the basically the vanilla gay sex they're having in a sex club and I go, oh, my God, you know, but they're having kind of vanilla sex and I'm having swinging from the chandeliers, but I'm having it all with the same person. Well, what's going to happen to you if you keep doing this, and you almost kind of get there yourself, you almost identify the problem, is you have a certain amount of like sexual and romantic energy in your life, and they're kind of intertwined, uh, whether you want it to or not. They are for everybody. Um, you have a sex drive, and your sex drive is sort of coupled to your desire for romance and your desire to, to be with someone and not be lonely, right? But you have this out. You have this escape valve. Uh, the pressure doesn't build up for long, because you can you have it within yourself, uh, which some people don't, to go and get a blowjob from a cracked out stranger somewhere, and let somebody who you know could have filed their teeth down and have a fetish for biting the dicks off of twenty one year old Latino boys, uh, put take his dick into your into his mouth. You know right. what I mean? Um, and you tell yourself because you're getting the blowjob that 
it's low risk, and it is for HIV. It's practically no risk. It's high risk for chlamydia and gonorrhea and syphilis and herpes and molluscum and God knows what the fuck else. And right. guys who are giving blowjobs to strangers in cruise areas are likelier uh, to have oral syphilis than guys who are not, right? Right. And you have to know all this. And what you have to start doing at that but moment, that's the you're thing, Dan is like, if I know all of this and I'm still doing it, like that's where I'm like, God, you're such a fuck up. Like well, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm an educated person. I know about these kinds of things. I'm like the uh, the young gay kid that like Googles, you know, STDs to like see what they look like to make sure that I'm like, well, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. I, I'm not an idiot. And what you need to do is there's a war going on inside you, and you need to start listening to the person who's arguing with the horn dog. And, and try to let that – and work up to a place where that person is going to win more often than not and hopefully win permanently one day, right, right? where you don't go to these places anymore. Um, and I know I'm like the crazy sex columnist guy, and I'm like – I think people should have fun and sexual adventures and do crazy shit. But well, I think that's why that, I called you. I think that kind of sex is – that kind of sex is – that kind of anonymous sex and relying on it constantly is depressing and debilitating. And if you do it enough, particularly when you're young, you can kind of spoil yourself for life. You will not be able to sexually respond to someone that you know and that, you've da- that you're dating. You can carve a groove into yourself through that kind of sex. And I sort of already feel that way, which is why it scares me. Because, like, I, you know, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to get to that point where, like, and I think I said so when I called you. Right. But, like, there's, like, this distance between, like, people that I date and then people that I mess around with. And there's, like, this, the divide is growing, dif- you know, bigger and bigger. And you know what you're replicating, and guys who fall into this, as you may, if you keep it up, replicate, is that Madonna whore thing that straight guys have. That there's, you know, the woman, the woman that they marry, and then, the, then there are the whores that they fuck. And they can't do, they can't have a woman who is, you know, the woman they put on a pedestal and love and adore, and then they can't fuck marry the senseless. Whore. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that can be, be really, that, person, that can, that can create a lifetime of sexual dysfunction and, and fucked up relationships. And you don't want to do yeah. that. And so, what, and there's really nothing you can do here except knock it off, and start channeling your sexual energy away from this easy out, and just rule it out. And you have to listen the, to the I voice in your head that says oral syphilis, and not the voice in your head that says I'm lonely and I want an orgasm. At right. those moments, you know what you need to do? Beat the fuck off. Yeah. Because that moment after you come, every time you're there, at your, you're at one of those places with your dick in some crack whore's mouth. The moment you come, I bet you're like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Why am I here? I hate this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally beeline. Right. Because the moment you come, you get right back to the regret. You're not horny anymore. It's purged. And you know what? I used to have that problem when I was young and gay and single. I I went to the bars a lot when I was, you know, 19 years old. Because I always thought, you know, maybe the guy, you know, some great guy's going to be there tonight. If I'm not there, I'm going to miss him. Right. And then right. I would get there, and you know, it was the same bunch of jackasses who were always at the bars. Mm-hmm. And and I would, you know, go, oh, why did I do this? Now it's two, three o'clock in the morning. I have to go to work at eight o'clock in the morning. And so I got to a point where I went, you know what? Oh, maybe that guy will be there. And I said, I started saying to myself, you're just horny. Go beat off. It'll pass. And it worked. I stopped going to the bars. I didn't stop going to the bars constantly, or I didn't stop going to the bars entirely. I met all three of the guys I've been in long-term relationships with in bars, but I stopped going to the bars on Wednesday night at one o'clock in the morning just in case. There's this, there's this whole like sub 
aspect to all of this whole this whole situation that I would like to fill you in on that possibly you can help me with a little bit of insight with, and that's the fact that like everybody you know every large gay city has like that group of people and like they're everybody knows who they are mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying whether it is that you're a part of the nightlife or you work somewhere or you know what I'm saying and there's some sort of reputation and so the reason why I think I got caught up into this fucking routine of like this anonymous sex is that I don't necessarily want people to know my business or like I don't want people to know that I have casual sex because I you know I, I don't want people to think that I'm a whore and things like that so it's kind of like that whole aspect kind of plays into it as well so to keep like, people from thinking you're a whore you're having the sleaziest sex imaginable yeah because you can have it with people who are not going to gossip about you because they don't know who you are and they're not friends with any of your friends exactly you and they can't sort of like career or anything like that they can't what know? destroy your career like Exactly. <laughs> um, well, as we was just seen with Larry Craig, you can't actually have your career destroyed by an anonymous sexual contact <laughs> in a public place. But you need that's something that you as a young gay man need to let go of. I had to let go of it. You know, it felt like such a huge thing to let go of just to admit that you're gay, right? Right. You know, people knew then that you liked boys. And then you, I had these hang-ups around my friends knowing, what, uh, knowing any details about what I like to do with boys or what boys I like to do it with or when or how. So you went through this as well? A little bit, yeah. Something similar. Where I was really like, it was okay that people knew I was gay. It was okay that my gay friends knew I was gay. I didn't want my gay friends to know any details. Right? And so it it would feel risky to date somebody who was a friend or a friend of a friend. Because then they would know. Because you'd have to make yourself vulnerable. And all you need to do is, is accept that that vulnerability comes with the territory. And you know what? You know, say you're in defeat. I'm just going to pull something out of the air, okay? Say you're like a total foot fetish, sub-bottom foot fetish kid, and you want people to put their feet in your faces, right? Okay. I know a lot of, like, I get letters all the time from young guys who have foot fetishes who are all, like, stressed out that their friends are going to find out. My response is always, let them. Who gives a fuck? Let them know. Don't, I mean, you don't have to say, oh, you know, I'm gay, and I have a foot fetish, and I'm this, and I'm that. But if, you know, word goes around, you know what's going to happen? The other guys with foot fetishes are going to come calling. You know, your ten friends may go, oh, my God, he's got a foot fetish, and one of them may have that foot fetish, too. And then you'll fall in love and run off together. When I stop worrying about about people gossiping about what I like to do in bed, I had people then coming up to me and volunteering to to, to come to bed with me because they heard about whatever it was. So it's really just a mind-over-matter thing. It is a mind-over-matter. You literally have to be like, you cannot do this. About the About the... Park sex? About the fucking bookstores and all those fucking cruisy areas and stuff like that. You know, I, I, ch- I literally just have to be like, I cannot. I can't, I can't do it. And I have it. And it, since I called you, I called you on the way home from one of them. It doesn't make you happy, does it? No. Especially Don't... because I had your number in my cell phone. I mean, like, think about that. I thought about calling you for a while. And I was like, you want to know what, you fucking idiot? If you don't call Dan Savage right now, you're a fool. Don't do it. It doesn't make you happy. You know, and, I, and I'm saying all this knowing in the back of my mind. I've known some people who went there and weren't shredded by it emotionally, kind of liked it. I even have met, I know, I know somebody who met his boyfriend in a cruisy uh, bathroom stall, basically. And they've been together for a long time now. And, you know, they both, like, looked at each other and said, you want to go get something to eat when they were done? Which a lot of people can't say in that environment. And it doesn't sound like you're the type who could say that in that environment. It sounds like you're the type that when you're done, are like you go, what the fuck am I doing here? I hate this. I don't enjoy it. I'm gone. Right. So you're not going to find a boyfriend in that environment. You're only going to find trouble. Eventually, you're going to get the shit beat out of you. Eventually, you're going to get an STD. Right? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. So, the next time you think I'm going to run out and get that blowjob, just stay home, put some porn in, and beat the fuck off. Date somebody. Yeah. And marry the Madonna whore thing. And don't worry that if people gossip about what you like to do in bed. It's only the truth. If the truth gets around, it's only the truth. Do you want to eat, do you want to eat shit right out of someone's asshole? Is that a rhetorical question? No, I mean, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I No, you I don't. Okay, don't. do you want to drink someone's piss right out of their dick? Uh, I mean, no, not really. Do you want really. to fuck kids? No. Do you have sex with dogs? No. You have nothing to worry about. There's nothing that yeah. you like. There's nothing that you're doing that your other gay friends aren't interested in, intrigued by, have done, or would do for the right guy. Okay? You have my, you, uh, I'm, I you thank you for this advice, Dan, because I, I plan on following it. Well, good. Give us a call sometime and let us know. And keep your fucking dick out of those scum holes. All right. Your dick's better than that. Your dick deserves more than that. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Hey, this is Jason in Seattle. 27, and, uh, well, let me preface this by saying I know how you feel about people who are still closeted and that kind of thing, and, and I know that you think that they're cowards and all that crap, but, you know, uh, <laughs> brought up as an evangelical Christian, and then I got into a really long, crappy relationship, and I'm finally single, and, and I'm finally starting to come to terms with who I am and, and all of that, and I, I know what I am, and I know what I want to do, and I just don't know how to take the next step, and I don't know the best way to do it. And, yeah, so I'm completely at a loss. Um, I don't really have anyone in my life that can really help me out. I don't really have anyone that can really talk to about this, and it really sucks. Uh, so, um, you're a gay. <laughs> Repeat after me, I am a gay. Okay, um, you know, you started out by saying that you know how I feel about people who are closeted uh, into the, into their adult lives, uh, and that you don't have a lot of sympathy. I actually do have a lot of sympathy, and I have a lot of sympathy for you and, and the pain that you're clearly in uh, and your predicament. Um, you know, you didn't elect to be born into an evangelical Christian family as opposed to a Unitarian Universalist yeah, no kidding. Uh, family. Um, but I want to get a little bit more of your your background. Uh, I assume that you're not dependent on your family for support. No, I'm not. No, no, no. I, I take care of myself just fine. You don't work for the family business. Oh, God, no, no. But you're no. afraid that when you start coming out that the people that you've been essentially lying to since you were 13 years old are going to flip. Well, not just them. There are some other ramifications, too. I've got the, the, the place that I work. I think they might not have a very good, a very high opinion of me either. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it is mostly my family. Like, I, I think I said in my message to you, I think I said something about how my mom at one point told me that she could tolerate anything from me as long as I didn't turn out gay. Mm-hmm. Like, she actually told that to me to my face, and it was just like... How long ago? Um... That was probably about five years ago. That was about five years ago. What I, your mother was probably saying was, I think I see this. What your mother was probably you know, saying I was, I think I, you might be gay, and I'm going to fire a <laughs> shot across your bow because I don't want you to come out to me, even though I know that you're gay, and I want, I want you to keep lying to me, please. Yeah, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that for a, for a second, to be perfectly honest with it, you, especially after the last time I was over there visiting them. Yeah. yeah moms are perceptive. Uh, some moms are perceptive and helpful and good, and some moms are perceptive and warped and twisted. 
Yeah, and I definitely have a perceptive and twisted mother. That's for that's for damn sure. Because what she was saying essentially was, uh, I, I I understand that you might be gay, but I prefer you closeted and miserable. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. so, but you're not dependent on her. No, I'm not. No, thankfully, not anymore. <laughs> right. Do you have siblings? No, I'm I'm the only child. Oh, all the better for mom. Um, any mom who right. says that to to her kid deserves to only have one kid, and for that kid to turn out gay. Amen. Amen. Because God, yeah, yeah. God's a lesbian that wants to sleep with uh, men every once in a while, but doesn't want them to be into lesbians. Um, why are you laughing? You, you don't even know what I'm referring to. It's a call that we recorded earlier. Um, it, it just sounds funny. <laughs> you're so articulate. Well, thank you. And you sound so together. I, I try. And you want to know what you have to do. And you know what? And this is... God, it's like memory lane for me today on this show, because they're all gay calls. I decided to do all gay calls on the show today. But, you know, I stood outside my mom's bedroom when I was a teenager, like pacing back and forth, going, I'm going to tell her, I'm going to tell her, I'm going to tell her, I'm just going to walk in there, and I'm going to like tell her, I'm going to say the words, I'm going to open my mouth, they're going to come out, and that's that. Yeah. Because once you said them aloud, they, you can't unsay them. No, I know. And I just, it, the, the back story is that I had a, when I was, when I was about 18 or 19, I had a really, really horrible relationship with my parents, not even on speaking terms. And since then, we've sort of rebuilt the relationship, and I, I really don't want to just, like, burn it all down. <laughs> you should. You should want to burn it all down so that you can get, so you can start rebuilding it now. Yeah. And the sooner you start rebuilding it, the, the, the sooner you'll be in a place where you can say we have a great relationship again. It's going to be rocky for a while. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the sooner you knock over, you know, what you got now, the sooner you'll get something better. Um, it may take a while. You know, here we are, memory lane again. My first boyfriend came out, was discovered to be gay by his father who read his diary and uh, his father was a Baptist minister. He was 14 years old. His father beat him up, broke both his arms, threw him in a closet. Oh locked him in a closet for three days, then threw him out of the house. And wow. my boyfriend walked to Chicago from Paducah, Kentucky, uh, with, I think, one broken arm, not two, uh, and put himself through school. And while we were dating, the, the summer we were dating, his father called to apologize. It took 20 years. But he still did. But he still did. Yeah. Um, it'll, you, it, your parents, it'll go faster. I hope so. What kind of uh, evangelicals are they? <laughs> Well, they were Assembly of God for the longest time. We've we, we sort of bounced between Assembly of God churches and uh, Four Square churches. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the, the whole deal, rolling in the aisles and speaking in tongues and then pushing people over and and the, the, we're the only ones on earth that have it right and everyone else is wrong. Right. So, yeah. Well, it, it, you know, God may have sent your sexuality uh, to save your mother from the rolling in the aisles and the speaking in tongues and... The judgment and the horseshit. I really hope so. I, I, because I, I do, I, I do feel for them, and and they, and this sort of thing that they've gotten themselves into is just, it's not. Have you had sex with a man? No, and that was the other part of my question: is I have absolutely no idea where to start. What, what, where to? I mean, I don't want to. You do start with the, kissing, usually. Well, yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> so totally a smart ass answer I deserved. Um, I don't. I don't even know. I don't want to do the wrong thing, and I don't want to like. Where do you live? Someone that takes advantage of me, and right, and I don't want you to be taken advantage of either. And you know, guys are pigs. I yeah, I'm one of them. I know. And men suck. And and the minute you come out and start dating, however old you are, you're 15 years old. You're a naive little schoolgirl dating yeah. grown-up men. 
Yes, and here's the other problem. I kind of look like a 15-year-old, too, and that doesn't help my, my chances of not getting taken advantage of. <laughs> it does help your chances of getting laid. It could be worse. You could be one of those <laughs> closeted evangelical 27-year-olds who weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> Thankfully, no. <laughs> so, thank God you need to drown yourself in food. No, so you're going to have a leg up. And, you know, there are worse things than being a recently out 27-year-old boyishly attractive guy. Yeah, I'm aware of there being many things that are worse. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not too down on myself about any of this. I'm just sort of... Um... But stop. What are you waiting for? You know, you have... You have less than 36 months left of your 20s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't remind me of that. You haven't dated anyone you've actually been attracted to. No. Time is running out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not impatient for you, uh, uh, but you should be impatient for you to come out. I am. <laughs> and to get on it. You don't live with your mom and dad. You can start being gay, start dating, start coming out to your friends before you come out to mom and dad. Yeah. You don't have to tell mom and dad first. It's not like getting a tattoo when you're 16. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling I'll probably put that off. Do you have any friends longer. you can come out to? Your baby step coming out? Oh, boy. Um, one or two, really, that I think won't just sort of run away. Tell them this the weekend. Way. Tell them this weekend. I insist. Tell them this weekend. Or I will okay. think you're a coward. Okay. You just have to, like pace out in front of your mom's bedroom figuratively you have to just like do what i did walk back and forth and then you have to make your mouth move and make your diaphragm push the air out of your lungs past your vocal cords and say the words and you'll be so relieved you've already said it to all these people on the podcast god knows you have sort of recognizable voice <laughs> and a recognizable laugh maybe your mother's a secret listener to the podcast maybe everyone else is rolling around on the floor in tongues and she's got her ipod on Oh, Lord, I don't even want to consider that. <laughs> but do it this weekend, okay? All right. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast. Uh, I'm sorry to the straight people out there that we didn't get to any of your questions, and we have lots of them, but we wanted to totally fag out on this show. And we fagged out, uh, except for that lesbian who wants to fuck guys. That's not very faggy. Uh, uh, before we wrap things up, I want to say happy birthday to Amanda whose birthday is, uh, I believe, September 15th. Amanda's had a rough year. She's actually been on the show. I've given her a little advice. Um, and her friend Joe tells me that Amanda will crap her pants if we wish her happy birthday on the pod- podcast. So, uh, Amanda, we are wishing you happy birthday on your podcast, and now you need to uh, drop a load in your pants and prove Joe right. The phone number here, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. And you download the podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage if you record a question for a podcast please include a phone number at 206-201-2720 so that we can call you back we love calling people back uh, and uh, I'll be back next week with the tech savvy at risk youth and another installment of the Savage Lovecast <laughs>